In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We were just saying before we got started, Sammy, that the biggest topic is definitely among them, the succession finale, but I have not watched and you are not ready to process anyway. So I'm glad we're synced up there. Yeah. I mean, I could be like, it was amazing, but that's not a deep thought. So we'll talk. But it was? I really liked it. Yeah. Oh, good. It was great. Um, I feel like um, last week you became something of a succession influencer. (laughs) Just, just Look, one thing happens. I have one thought. One thing I happens, and then you're a new. <laughs> yeah, I have a new topic. But um, no, I've always loved Succession, and I would love to talk about it with you when you are ready. Um, it could be off air, though. You know? Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Because I don't want to spoil it. Perfect. No, I'm sure I'll I'll watch them all rather quickly. Today, we're going to hit on a few. I love these Monday shows because we can just sort of like process the random things that have happened in the past couple days. And uh, the end of the year is really spitting out a lot at us. But you know, there are just two weeks, a little over two weeks left in 2021. I still occasionally say 2020. So (laughs) yeah, I don't know. This year was a wash. I feel like it won't be hard for me to adjust because I barely process this year at all. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've just been it almost feels like there's been so few changes since 2020. That's true. <laughs> but there has been so many changes. Um, yeah. But because Still so much of it was spent on our screens. Exactly. Yeah, I think the fact that so much of the time was spent remotely and on screens and so much of our communication and the way we interact with people is digital, it all starts to sort of feel the same and time moves in a very weird way. Yeah, definitely. We're all definitely damaged. This is going to start like showing itself up in weird ways in future decades. I'm, I'm definitely willing to be in a clinical trial. Hit me up. Does I've been the, do impacted. You think, do you think what we've been through would like clear the barrier for an epigenetic change? In, I don't know. You know what I, do I don't you know. What I mean? Maybe, yeah. maybe I'd be so wait, that would be a fascinating thing to learn more about from somebody well, on the podcast. <laughs> perhaps we should speak to an epigeneticist. Per- or, perhaps yeah. we should. <laughs> yeah. We've got range. Yeah, or we could just speculate. You know? <laughs> or we could just speculate. Or we could just speculate. I know I've definitely changed just fundamentally. So yeah, same. <laughs> it's such a weird time because in a few weeks we'll probably hit eight hundred thousand pandemic deaths, which is hard to even like say out loud. And a few months will mark two years since all of this sort of got going. And we're at another weird stage where, you know, over the weekend, New York State brought back an indoor mass mandate, basically, to there's increased hospitalizations in the Northeast and the Great Lakes region. And I know it's like deja vu, but every time, you know, we just repeat how long it's been and how we're still in this, but it's still harder and harder to believe. Like, I'm very tired. I really don't want a mask anymore. I'm really sick of it. 
Yeah. It's also really hard to keep track of all the rules. Like, do I need this mask? Do I not need this mask? I think that's Uh, why the Finnish prime minister thing was so relatable because we were all just like, oh, it's so hard. I don't even know. It changes all the time. Well, with her, you can be like, why don't you leave your work phone at home anytime? (laughs) You're the prime minister. But then I'm like, what does this say about work-life balance in their country? And why don't I live there? So yeah, exactly. So we'll start first today with what's weighing on all of us from over the weekend. Terrible. The tornadoes that slept through six states over the weekend, they hit Kentucky especially hard where more than 100 people are feared dead. Destruction was also reported across six states, including Illinois, Arkansas, Missouri, and Tennessee. Six people died in Edwardsville in Illinois when the roof of an Amazon warehouse collapsed. 45 people were able to make it out safely after It had 11-inch thick cement walls the length of a football field. I mean, these warehouses are huge. That began to fold in on them after the roof collapsed. So six people died. They're no longer doing rescue efforts. It's all recovery. Um, I believe one person is in the hospital really, really injured. Jeff Bezos tweeted his condolences but didn't go and visit. Instead, he was in Texas uh, hanging out with Michael Strahan and other ultra-wealthy people who paid him to go up real high. (laughs) On his Blue Origin rocket, not to space. He did tweet a picture with them before he decided to comment on the deaths of Amazon employees. Look, if you can get on a rocket to almost space, you can get on a plane to Kentucky uh, to to visit your factory. Um, Probably, yeah that that says it all about him. I also want to note the absence of Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell from this conversation. Excellent point. Haven't even asked, bothered to hold him responsible for where he is. Yeah. No one's really talking about about his response. I mean, he really lucked out that this was an Amazon factory and not just, you know, unknown small business factory so that Amazon would be kind of the focus of this conversation. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. I mean, he definitely has not been the biggest climate change proponent. I mean, I know whenever these scary weather events happen, I mean, they're kind of similar to like when mass shootings happen is that you just want to be careful before you instantly attribute like, was it an illegal weapon or like, was this climate change? But I feel like we're just, we're at the point now where pretty much every extreme weather event, you you don't, you you can take a gamble that it's related to climate change. Specifically here, uh, human-caused global warming contributed to the weather patterns that caused Friday night's outbreak of tornadoes. Basically, it was a day of record warmth and high humidity. It's not supposed to be this warm and humid in late uh, late fall. It's almost winter. And so this combined with all of these other weather patterns that basically made it a powder keg. So that contributed to what happened here. And it just sort of made me think that like, you know, last week when I was like pontificating about German elections, <laughs> my recent obsession, I learned that the floods in Germany earlier this year that killed about 185 people, that had a huge impact on their national election. Like it, one person's response like really dinged them that was supposed to win. I mean, it, it gave the Green Party candidate like a really good chance. And that was 185 people. And like, this is a lot of people that's happening here. And then we've probably had, I mean, enough enough weather events for the past couple months. I mean, it's just hard to imagine something like that having such an impact on like a national election here. Like this is devastating, but in a couple of days, we might not be talking about it anymore. We might not be like, there might not be like, climate. like I haven't, this response hasn't even been like climate action now. It's just like, oh shit, how sad. And Jeff right. Bezos, what an asshole. Right. Um, yeah, because maybe I think that our country has a case of extreme learned helplessness that when these things happen, everyone's just like, climate change, guns, gun control. But actually, the power isn't really in 
within any of us to do anything. So yeah. Yeah. That it's a, I really like learned helplessness. That's what I say that I have like now that I've been with Mike, like I can't get through the airport by myself. Like I have learned helplessness. (laughs) Oh, I have that about a lot of things too, that Avi just handles like, yeah, it's not good. I'm not an independent woman. But I think we're. I'm not even sure like, I could. <laughs> we're not. But even with this, this is on such a larger scale yeah. that it's you know it's you can't relearn it because it's you have to relearn it. it as a whole. Exactly. And so one Maybe more note on this. Know. So after the tragedy, Amazon workers have been speaking out about a policy that bans cell phones. So I guess there's a policy that bars cell phone use on the warehouse floor. It was relaxed during the pandemic, still a pandemic. Uh, but some warehouses have apparently begun reinstating it, and workers are naturally pointing to how this could put them at huge risk in a dangerous emergency situation to call for help or to call loved ones. Plus, as one mentioned, like our phones literally tell us when there's an extreme weather event coming. It'll tell you if there's a tornado coming. Like imagine missing that message. One Amazon worker even told Bloomberg that she already uses her PTO when there's an extreme weather event coming because she just doesn't trust her workplace to take the precautions needed to keep her safe. So Amazon told another outlet, they told Gizmodo, like, actually, people can't have their phones, but then they didn't respond to any follow-ups about this. So whether that's true They can have their phones, but they'll be fired. Right, exactly. It's like, (laughs) there should be no confusion about this. There should be no confusion among employees about whether or not they can have their phone or this is a policy. People should be able to have their phone for emergencies. Like, nobody's just like, plus, Amazon, like... You're, you're monitoring people so closely and holding them to quotas. It's like, if they're diddling around on their phone, they're not going to meet their quotas. Amazon doesn't have to wonder like, oh no, are they earning their, their keep? You're tracking it in other ways. Let them, let them send a text. Let's also just, even in the absence of an extreme weather event, talk about the demeaning ways in which the company takes away the agency and autonomy of its workers. Like yeah. your phone, it's in, you know, whether you're using it or not, the access to it is, you know, and in this day and age is totally critical. You have kids. If you have anything, even if you don't have anything for this weather event, you know, it's so dehumanizing that they don't allow them to have their phones. Like it goes along with the bathroom break. Yeah. It's so patronizing. It's so disgusting. We're, you're basically saying, when, you know, we'll give you a measly paycheck, but you have to come here and are essentially under you. We basically you basically hand over your bodily autonomy to us, not just your labor, because you can't go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and you can't have access to your personal life or the world at all while you're here. Yeah. So yeah. I was listening to a podcast. I think it might have been The Daily. I'm not sure which one it does, but it's like Amazon is having a huge – originally, it wasn't having an employment issue because it just has such a big like hiring apparatus. But the the issue with Amazon is like their amount of turnover is just incredible. Like a lot of people have worked at Amazon and they leave within a couple weeks for these exact reasons. Like so they just have to spend so much money to recruit people. And like this podcast sort of did like a statistical analysis and it's like they're going to run out of people. (laughs) Like (laughs) such a large percentage of, of Americans have already worked for Amazon because at first it can seem like and, and a lot of people end up going back, but it's like they don't have any actual institutional knowledge, which is why shit like this always happens. You know, I'm sure it's like, so, you know, if the policy is unclear, I bet it's some like asshole manager on a power trip telling people they can't have their phones, even though they actually can. And right. and, and I feel like that's such a that's probably a stand in for the company culture overall. Do you think that the the turnover, my guess is like they've priced the turnover in. 
And they've determined yes, that, right. that they have. working these employees like they are not humans will turn more of a profit than the tur- will create more profit than the turnover loses. Maybe they didn't anticipate the running out, running out of people problem. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I could see them, I could see them sort of working around that problem sooner yes. than they try to stop the turnover. Because the reason they have the turnover Definitely. is because of how they function as a business and they're only so profitable because of how they function as a business. So it's, that's always going to win is my assumption. Until oh, I there's a competitor... So. Which I don't see. Jet? <laughs> like, where did oh that go? Oh my God. Yeah. TBT, what happened to Jet? <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. man, I know. It's, so I saw a funny tweet that was like, living in like cities is like, oh, I guess I'll walk to Walgreens to support local business instead of ordering on Amazon. <laughs> it's like, where am I going to get my toilet paper? I try my absolute best not to order from Amazon whenever possible. Um, I just... I prefer yeah. the, the box from the actual brand. Like, I hate an Amazon box. It's so gross to me. Yeah, it, I try to, to only it, stick to it when I need something quickly. Like, an Amazon box makes me, when I see one, like, my mind goes to a dystopian place. Me too. Like, me they, too. it symbolizes dystopia for me, so I prefer not to receive anything in one. Yeah, um, I receive them multiple <laughs> times a week, but I still, yeah, yeah, it makes me feel some type of way. <laughs> well, what I... It's, you know what's upsetting is that all the teacher wish lists are on Amazon. I know. I know. It, that's the thing. That's the main issue, right? Because those are such an easy way for people. To support each other. Exactly. And like everybody just, it's such an easy way to like choose out a fun, fun gift. Like you can decide what it is. It's usually affordable. But yeah, there's no alternative. Michael's? Oh, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, next today, I can't believe I'm saying this for a third time in a single year. Actually, I think a third time in a single quarter, basically. But here we go. The Supreme Court has failed once again to block the unconstitutional Texas abortion ban from going into effect. I can't believe this is just the way we live now. It's like, oh, another day, another time. The Supreme Court of the United States has decided, no, we're not going to block this. We're not going to stop this constitutional interference from happening. We're just going to let it go. Constitutional? <laughs> that what I said? Yeah. <laughs> That's how strongly I feel yeah. about it. It's chaos. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, they're just chill with Americans putting bounties on each other. Totally Keep going, chill, guys. Keep, Keep going. doing yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Gavin Newsom said, "Okay, hold, hold my beer." So here's what happened on Friday: the Supreme Court ruled on whether abortion providers can bring federal lawsuits to block SB eight, that six week abortion ban with the bounties, based on it being unconstitutional. The court said yes, but, and it's a really big but, my understanding is that the decision permits suits only against state officials, not even health officials, they're like licensing boards and stuff, who play a very minimal role in enforcing the law. They let these licenses board, so the the law as it's written in Texas lets these medical licensing board enforce SB 8 as well by taking action against physicians who violate it by providing these abortions. But to my understanding, this doesn't really have anything to do with the lawsuits that private citizens can pursue against providers. Like, the Supreme Court says that the abortion providers, they can't go after the state officials like the judges and the county clerks. So it's only letting abortion providers do certain people, and the court will let SB 8 remain in effect for the time being. So the sort of good news is that this does mean that the abortion providers have an avenue to potentially get a federal order blocking the ban. But this is unclear if that would be enough for clinics to feel safe resuming services because it's unclear like how it can be enforced against them. Are they going to potentially have to pay all this money? Plus, Texas can easily amend the law to take enforcement away from those exact officials that that they're going to, because the law as it stands now is it includes these licensing people, but it also says nobody that actually like works for the state or as a state official can be sued. And the Supreme Court is sort of like, okay, you got us. Like, <laughs> it sort of feels right. like self-defeating. You're just going to let Texas like jerk you around like this? Yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas. Um, I guess. Yeah. What I think this illustrates that hasn't been sort of the baseline of the conversation is that it's not just about what is legally on the books. It's about what women can actually access when they need an abortion. So Texas has played this very well by creating essentially such a large scare tactic that any sort of room that that abortion providers might get will still not necessarily have them leaning into providing abortions at the level that is needed. And that's really people who are into forced birth don't really (laughs) care what the law says. They care about the abortions. They care about the births happening. And Mm -hmm. as long as the circumstances allow for the births to be forced, 
They don't care if it's, you know, Rover's Wade might exist, but it will be so hollowed out that it won't matter. So that's really an, another asymmetrical advantage that they have is right. that it could be technically legal, but so difficult because of the cultural and and legal circumstances around it. Yeah. And they've already sort of like have that triumph in the way we talk about it. Because, you know, a couple years ago before they started doing this, at this point, nearly a decade ago, it was about, you know, abortion being really accessible when you needed it without having to burden yourself too much or have to spend too much time or money getting there or having to undergo unnecessary procedures. And now with everything they've done, we're literally just talking about whether if it can be allowed at all in the second, I believe, second biggest state in the country. They fundamentally changed it. It's a good reminder to like, to to reiterate, like this is about reproductive access and justice as well, which is why, I mean, California is up to a lot, but I think it's important that they've been sort of promoting this idea of being a sanctuary. Like, Mm -hmm. all right, I guess we're going to have to like use our tax base to raise money to help people get this health care because it's health care. I mean, I can't believe like this has been in effect since September 1st. So like if you've gotten pregnant since then and didn't want to be, I guess you had to go to another state or find out extremely early, like for the past three months. It's not only if you don't want to be pregnant. It is also if you need to end a pregnancy. And that is what I think. Look, I obviously don't think a woman should have to be pregnant whether she wants to be, you know, it's not really a, the only reason is not for the health of women. But when you take away the access to people who need it for health reason, when you take away the access from people who want it just because they don't want to have a baby, because for whatever reason, that's their decision, you also take it away from the people who need it. And that I think is even the stronger argument against this. Isn't that what the gun people say is like, oh, if you take away all the guns, don't we? I mean, we'll get to the gun thing. Then too, what? But I- people won't die when they don't well, shoot I, no, someone No, I guess people say, well, you can't take away all of the guns because what about the people that need guns? Because some people do need guns because there is violence. It's like, okay. What, 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 is a na- what does a regular citizen need a gun for if no Well, no, Sam, I'm trying to make a metaphor oh, that okay. they'll accept. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am fine letting them have guns if they're going <laughs> to let us have abortion. The different, yeah, honestly, same. We're not getting rid of all the guns. Just not right. We're, there, we're never going to do that. Regardless of the reason someone wants it, this is actually deadly for many women. And I don't see how that is, I don't see how oh, possessing a gun, which will not keep you alive the way an abortion that you need will. I don't see, like, of course they think that's an analogy, but... Right. Well, it just shows that they're not using even their own senses of reason because I'm saying like, I like the constitution protects your right to have a gun and nobody is going up saying, I mean, we do and like among each other, but like legally nobody's saying until now, like, well, actually you don't really need that kind of gun. You only need this kind of like the, yeah. the, the pro gun people that are responsible gun owners. I mean, yeah, you're right. Because nobody's like, well, I'm a responsible abortion haver. <laughs> but I guess this brings us to what California right. Governor Gavin Newsom is doing, which he said he's going to pursue a bill in his state against, quote, anyone who manufactures, distributes, or sells an assault weapon or ghost gun kit or parts in the state of California. He said this was right after Friday's decision if states can now shield their laws from review by the federal courts that compare assault weapons to Swiss Army knives, then California will use that authority to protect people's lives where Texas used it in a ways to put women in harm's way. So what do we think of this? Like, this is the type of thing that like makes me 
do you think he's doing this to troll or do you think he's doing this like because he's like fine let's let's go are we are we past stopping these laws and are we just going to use this to our are we just going to like culture war this to its natural end you know what maybe this is the only choice this is actually one of the most impressive moves i've seen from any democrat it's the most um proactive thing i've seen um at this point, I think he's recovered from his French laundry faux pas. I do. Um, <laughs> this really, look, here's the thing. Even if it is trolling, it's just getting on the level of the trolls. Yeah. It's not totally. trolling for fun. He's not just putting up some dumb Instagram of John, John Jr. Like, you know, this isn't pointless trolling. This is actually trolling that in theory could save lives. And let's say this, something like this does go to the Supreme Court. I would love to see how they reason around this. Um, so, right. you know what? Like, finally, someone is fighting on the same level that the Republicans are fighting. And that makes me proud. You yeah. just needed someone who was previously married to Kimberly Guilfoyle to, uh, <laughs> to fully get in the mind. Right, exactly. I mean, this is the shit that Republicans do where they sort of like, yeah, what Texas did, I mean, it's sort of been called clever. And it's like, exactly, repeat it and then force the Supreme Court to say like, I guess this is fine too. Dare them to. They're not going to, but dare them to. So again, like we're, this this will probably go back down through up and down the courts as they do again, unless the Supreme Court can just neatly uh, basically overturn or neuter Roe versus Wade in June anyway, where it's just like, it's just done. And then, uh, then you're just going to see more blue states have to create these sanctuaries and abortion will be basically inaccessible. And I think, well, 26 states have trigger laws where it can be entirely or mostly outlawed. Who do you think, what states do you think will join the sanctuary team? I mean, definitely in New York. I know, I, I know New York city, like they already are working on something like this. I think we had like mm -hmm. councilwoman. Carlina Rivera on, but yeah, definitely New York, California. I could see I Colorado. Know, Maine, Colorado. Yeah. Maine, you think like aggressively uh, enough? I have Maybe no New idea. Jersey? Yeah. To whatever extent it could be helpful. And then I mean, and then I think that like were that to happen, you were talking about, you know, like five months before the midterms. And um, yeah, I mean, I saw a headline that said that like Democratic strategists are warning against like going too hard on abortion rights. Like if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it actually won't be that helpful. It's like, okay, you'll see. That's easy to say right now when there's just one state, but it's like, no, 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 no. If you <laughs> Good luck creating a strategy that doesn't include that. You're going to have to completely redo it. Are these male strategists who are suggesting that? Okay, well, now we know. Well, they're all anonymous, Why? so none of them put their names on it, so it's hard to tell. I don't think any female strategy, you know, I think if you're a woman, you see this as potentially the most galvanizing issue, which is why it's the most galvanizing issue for conservatives, because the way yes. they feel about force, forcing birth is the way we feel about choice to give birth. I think it's the most galvanizing issue. And only a man would think that it would it could just slip in there like some casual Social Security cut. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably what got us here because men weren't galvanized enough by it. <sighs> that was our if show. If they had, had to have all the kids, maybe they would be. Exactly. Well, we have an exciting paid leave push coming up this week. This week, I think, is finally when it's like going to go down in Congress. I know Joe Biden and Joe Manchin are meeting today to chat 
We'll see. Chuck Schumer is down with paid leave. So this is it. Keep an eye out on all of our socials. We're going to have some like things you can do to really spotlight this. That is our show today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.